Welcome, fine folk, to episode 33 of my podcast, The View from the Crow's Nest. Probably won't do that again. Um, firstly, thank you to all you wonderful champions, because I just hit the 100 um, plays or downloads or views or whatever the stat is uh, of this podcast on the actual podcast. As it goes, it also um, gets put into YouTube every day as well. Automatically, the podcast gets turned into little videos without any actual video and sent to YouTube. And on YouTube, there have been um, quite a number of views, I think a bit more than 100. Um, so that's also cool. So thank you to everybody who's been listening to any of my episodes. Even if you've only listened once, I appreciate it. Thank you for spending time with me. Um, I, I really appreciate it. It's awesome. Today, today, I'm feeling, as you can tell, I'm feeling pretty buoyant. Um, I'm normally pretty buoyant, but a few days, about a week ago, I was feeling pretty blue. And so for a few days, I was feeling a bit low. Um, and then I focused to get myself out of it. I was focusing on um, organizing myself better and taking small action and basically trying to feel like I'm in control of things again. And I think that that's one of the key components to when you feel low. Um, in fact, I think clinical depression I could be completely wrong here so you know the thing but I think clinical depression is also a feeling of hopelessness a feeling of not being in control effectively of not being able to do anything or so it kind of therefore stands to reason the polar opposite of that might be a positive thing um, and I feel it is and I think it's often overlooked so I've been trying to get back in, in control doing simple things like organizing um, photos that we have you know 12 years of photos thousands and thousands of photos and they're all on Google Photos, which is great, but they're also on backup drives, external backup drives that have been backed up three or four times and have duplicates all over, and then internal drives on the computer, and then internal drives on the other computer, and then cloud storage, and blah, blah, blah. And so I've been on a bit of a mission to organize all my filing system, my digital filing system, to dedupe everything, deduplicate everything, uh, put everything into the one place, one folders that's on cloud storage and then back up that cloud storage onto an external hard drive. So that way it's just simple. Cloud storage, external hard drive, job done. And then as you know with your phones, you take photos and videos, they get uploaded to Google, which is great. But I always like to back up the originals to the computer as well because the uploads to Google aren't in original quality, number one. And number two, I think it's always good to have your own backup of files that are really critical and for me photos of the family growing up are really critical so I definitely don't want to I don't know be locked out my google account and all of a sudden lose you know all those photos um, so just working on making sure that my phone is automatically backing them up to a another cloud storage drive and blah 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 I, if I've lost you if you're bored now I'm sorry and you're totally right I'm going to move off that subject of cloud storage and backups um but it's just a way of saying that, yes, I'm sort of getting back on top of things. Inclusive of the fiendishly annoying Grip the Sky experience, which is my EP, Grip the Sky, put into an experience, into a, a microsite. So you can visit gripthesky.com. You can't go through it yet. You can put your email address there if you wish to be notified when it's live. But when it's live, I will say on the podcast and on social media, and you can go and view it. You won't need an email address to view it just go ahead and enjoy it um and i've managed to um sort out a technical problem which was just slowing things down um i found a, a solution not quite as good as the first but in some ways but it works which is the main thing there's still one more technical problem and um then when i resolve that that's the technical stuff out of the way although 
today I had to completely redo all of the uh, videos on it, exporting and blah, 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 to remake them, basically. I won't bore you with the ins and outs. But, it, well, I, I will tell you the ins and outs, because, or at least a little bit about it, because it is, it is something that I've been thinking about as well in business um, and just generally to try and put front and centre. And that is to, if you're doing anything for other people, to give value to other people. So as a, an artist, you're obviously creating music for other people. Um, as, or sorry, as a musician, I should say, a recording artist. As a business, you might be manufacturing something for other people. You might have a service business where you're obviously delivering a service for other people, etc. So if you are doing stuff for other people, then the decisions that should really guide what it is that you how you're structuring things and what you're doing should be does this add more value or make the experience better for the user so uh specific with the grip the sky experience and then i'll tell you on a, a wider one that i was thinking of that this sort of came from the grip the sky experience i've got this uh, plugin which allows me to make to have youtube videos but have a player that plays those videos a lot more quickly without any of the distractions that you get on YouTube. So the the videos are stored on YouTube, but they run through this plugin, and they they're much much faster to play and all of this stuff. But it transpires that this plugin takes the first frame of the video as its thumbnail. The problem is all the videos I had had a very very quick fade in from black at the beginning, which meant that the very first frame of the video was black. So it looks terrible when you see the screen and it's just got a blank like video. It looks like there's nothing there, just a play button. And then I worked out that I could embed a thumbnail within that video. So you could see the thumbnail that I chose for it. But the problem was when you click the thumbnail, there's this half a second, if that quarter of a second gap between that thumbnail disappearing and the video starting and I think technically it's because the video isn't actually called until you click the thumbnail so there's an extra bit of processing whatever it is the point being it's a tiny thing that most people won't realize but as a user I want the user experience to be as slick as I can make it and there you know it can always be better I'm sure but if there's something which in my mind I think you know what that could be just a touch slicker a touch better a touch easier a touch more simple then I think it's really important to try and go the extra mile to faff about, as I have done with quite a lot of things, to make it so that it's the best experience possible that I can make, you know, the best experience that I can give. Um, and the irony is, the more slick you make it, the more simple you make it, probably the less the user is actually going to notice. Because if something's clunky and it takes a bunch of steps and it's annoying, the user will notice that. But if something functions really quickly and slickly and works straight away, the user won't even notice that. It will just be part of the experience. So, you know, you kind of work all that extra time for them not to notice. But I think that's really important to take it into another angle. The other thing that um, I've been thinking about in the last few days, my wife and I have a brand um, world schooling hub and we've got very ambitious plans to build a whole ecosystem of products to help world schoolers and homeschoolers as well throughout the world and the first product is called the world schooling hub map and it's an interactive map where you can find and contact other world schoolers and we decided at the beginning when we built it a few months ago that we would only allow as the contact method telegram the chat app telegram and there are good reasons for that which i won't bore you with but basically it's 
privacy is better on Telegram than using, for example, WhatsApp, where you'd have to share your number, or Messenger, where you have to share your Facebook profile. And um, the ability to handle chats and everything is better in Telegram, etc. So it's a better app. The problem is, although it's got 300 odd million users, most people um, in, let's say, Europe, a lot of those users aren't in Europe or North America, well, comparatively. So everyone seems to have WhatsApp. Most people have Messenger because they've got Facebook, but not many people have Telegram. And what we found is we'd get people to sign up quite easily. They love the idea, but they weren't migrating onto the map and putting a profile on because that required them to have Telegram. And we thought it would be easier for people because um, if everybody's got the same contact app, then you can kind of keep your world schooling life and contact separate to your you know, your normal personal friends and whatnot, and it just make life easier. And we forgot this rule that I've just been talking about, that actually the experience should be easier for the user, not for what we want. The admin tools of Telegram is better for us, but again, it's not what we want, it's what the users want. So we're now changing that um, to now the requirement is Messenger, and then you can add Telegram and WhatsApp if you wish to. Um, and we'll see. We'll see. I, I think that, you know, it will probably get more users to sign up, but then it means that you might have two or three different apps to handle your different conversations with different people on the platform. But I guess people will just go through that as normal and move to other chat apps if they wish to. Um, but we will see if that increases the amount of people actually moving on to, to put their profiles on the map. Um, so... There's a kind of a, a couple of practical ideas of of that kind of implementing that kind of thinking, and I, I really want to try and keep that front and centre. You know, what is the best thing for the user? So, if you're in business, um, if you're an artist, if you're in any way thinking about those kind of things, then what is the best experience for the user? And I guess that also goes, you know, if you're an author or a screenwriter, you know, it's serving your audience. It's thinking about what is going to make the best you know, entertainment of the best story for them, not just I've got a story that I need to tell that's for me, although, you know, you should have some buy-in to it personally, but at the same time, it's always about serving your audience. Um, so, but in fact, and here's another example of that from a different angle, me being the audience, um, that happened in the last couple of days, and a little tip for you, which I, I give to people, but... Um, they're usually rubbish, etc., etc., and um, they don't give a monkey's, and they make you know huge amounts of profits, and they really don't care. And so, I have a thing whereby if I feel like uh, basically like I haven't been treated right, I haven't been treated fairly, I will email the CEO, the head of the company. So, on multiple occasions, I emailed the CEO of Virgin Media. Um, on multiple occasions, I've emailed the CEOs of various national and international banks um so a couple of days ago uh in fact on friday i tried to make an international payment with my hsbc bank um and that's a you know very big multinational bank global bank and um i didn't i thought it had gone through and then i got a call randomly saying from an from a you know foreign number saying hi i'm calling from hsbc fraud department is that you know, am I speaking to Romeo? Yes, you are. All right, great. 
what's this about? I can't tell you till I take you through security. Can you please give me X details from your security? And I said, well, no, because I don't know who you are. I don't know why you're calling. And banks tell you not to give out details to people who call you. So the irony being that you're apparently the fraud department. So they said, OK, well, you know, we'll send you a letter. Well, that's no good to me either because I'm not even I'm not in England. I'm in Italy. But so then on next few days later I go to log into my account to pay a bill and I've been fro- my account's frozen <laughs> I'm not allowed into my account no no reason why it doesn't tell me anything blah blah so I'm assuming it's got something to do with this fraud call that I um that I received and I assume it's got something to do with the international payment that I tried to make the day before the fraud call so I call customer service and I tell them the problem. I finally get through to somebody and I tell them the problem and they say, OK, well, let me take you through security. So they take me through security and then they tell me, OK, now I can't help you with that problem because you come through to the wrong department. Let me transfer you to the other department. OK, now this happened three times. I went through, I held, I got through to somebody, I explained the problem. They said, OK, let me take you through security. And then they told me they couldn't help me and they passed me on to another department. So after an hour and a half on the phone, I... Um, managed to speak to somebody and managed to get it resolved and it was a bit of a pain but and I said to them you know you guys could have avoided all of this by simply sending me a text message from HSBC because they send these one-time passcodes so I've got their number send me a text message and you know let me know you're about to call me for fraud and then I'm like okay then at least I know why you're calling and I might be more you know, more willing to give you de- data. Even better, send details in the text message and when you call me that match up that you could only have got if you have access to my account because then that way I know that you're talking to me about my account. It's logical and it's, you know, it's obvious. And um, so I finished, I got it all sorted and I thought, no, this isn't, you know, this isn't right. Their processes are rubbish. Um, <clears throat> And I won't go into even more detail about the process, but I found out what the process was, and it was it's illogical. They actually send a text only if you don't answer the phone, which makes no sense. And they, they obviously send it manually because you don't answer the phone. I said, send the text first. Easier. So I emailed the CEO, CEO of HSBC Bank, and within 45 minutes I had a reply from um, some manager of some department, and today I had a phone call from them to, um, to, to deal with my complaint. And the upshot of the phone call was the guy said, actually, I completely agree with your system and I'll make a recommendation that we change our process. Um, I can't guarantee it will happen, but I can make that recommendation. So, you know, that's making it easier for the customer rather than working the way or potentially if they changed it, that's for the customer if they receive a text message to notify them X, Y, Z, and then they have the phone call. Um, So if they implement it, who knows if they ever will. But if they did, then that would be, you know, be very, very good. But it just shows that no matter if you did, even if you're a big multinational bank, you should still be thinking properly customer-centric, customer-first. Um, the second part to that story is when the guy said, OK, have I resolved your... It was a nice guy. He said, you know, have I resolved your problem? I said, well, you have, you know, in the sense of you're going to pass on the deal. I said, but I'm not happy with having waited an hour and a half and blah, blah. He said, well, coronavirus, coronavirus. I said, yeah, but you guys are incompetent. You bounced me to four different departments, you know, incorrectly, blah, blah. And I said, I would like a gesture of goodwill. I'd like you to put some money in my account, Um, you know, because you should be recognising the fact that you say that you care about your customers and if you don't do anything, you really don't care and you're blah, blah. 
And so they did. They put 30 quid in my account, which is not very much, but it's the token. And now I feel like, OK, cool. I've been heard and you've appreciated that. Um, so the moral of this here lecture is threefold. Number one, think about customer first. Make it easier. Make it slicker. Always think what you can do. If you have happy customers, they will tell people about it. They will enjoy it and you will get more benefit than if you just try and eke um, as much as you can up front and thinking about it from your own angle. Number two, if you ever have a problem with